You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, Offerings for Priests and Levites. Unlike the other twelve tribes, the tribe of Levi were not given any land as an inheritance to settle and cultivate. Instead, the Levites were assigned cities in which to live among the other tribes. They would receive 48 cities. These are listed in Joshua 21. They were not inheriting these cities, only living in them. They were also given the pasture lands around each city for their animals to graze. These lands were never to pass out of Levitical hands. They did not receive land of their own because God was their inheritance. They would farm to provide for themselves and receive tithes and food offerings as their sustenance. This would be their source of income and compensation for their tabernacle service. The word tithe means tenth. They were the required gifts of the Israelites, equivalent to a tax. This way, they would be dispersed among the people where they could do the most good in teaching the people. No part of the country was left in spiritual darkness. The priests lived near the central sanctuary where they would serve in the in turn according to the schedule in First Chronicles 6. The Levites assisted the priests. They were set apart as a gift to Aaron. God said he had taken the Levites from among them in place of the firstborn, and then he gave them to Aaron. Then they are told which parts of the sacrificed animal are to go to the priests as well as the first fruits of grain, new wine, olive oil, and wool. And the reason they are provided for is stated, For the Lord your God has chosen them and their descendants out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the Lord's name always. So the Levites had their own towns, but if they chose to live near the priests in the central place of worship, eventually Jerusalem, then they were free to do so. While there, he was to share equally in the benefits of the other Levites who lived there. Verses 9-14, to 14, Occult Practices Forbidden Moses gave strict instructions not to imitate the occult practices of the polytheistic Canaanites. Then he explains what they are. When you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. So this last sentence marks a contrast. They are not to be like the surrounding nations. There is a saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. And while there is some truth to that saying, when it comes to God, He not only condemns the practice, but the person who is doing it. He says anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
And while I'm not encouraging us to hate sinners, we need to be careful not to reduce everything down to a pithy saying or a bumper sticker. We need to see things from a biblical perspective. As World Vision founder Bob Pierce said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. So they were not to sacrifice their children to idols, a thing God hated. They were not to turn to mediums for advice or to seek out spiritists, or they'd be defiled by them. Mediums, or mediators, were go-betweens between the people and the spirits of the dead. They would attempt to contact and communicate with them, but they were actually demons impersonating the dead. King Saul consulted a witch in order to speak with Samuel, and this was one of the reasons for the loss of his kingdom and his death. It was the reason the inhabitants of Canaan were expelled from the land, and it would happen to them if they did the same. The benefit of avoiding these practices were the spiritual reasons of obedience and separation from the pagan nations around them. These were the daily illustrations that they were different from the surrounding nations that had no such distinctions. They were being taught to live God's way. These external separations were to demonstrate their abhorrence of sin. The specific sins associated with the occult were child sacrifice, sorcery, or the use of black magic, soothsaying, which is attempting to control the future through demonic power, divination, which is interpreting omens to tell the future, witchcraft, or casting spells, usually to harm or control others, or attempting to contact the dead through mediums or spiritists. They are actually communicating with demons. Verses 15 through 19, a prophet like Moses. Aaron and the other priests represented people before God. Moses, as a prophet, and others after him, represented God to the people. Unlike the nations around them, God had given them Moses. Then Moses, a prophet himself, spoke of another and tied it into their fear when they first heard God's voice. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command them. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to the, my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So they were to listen to the word of God through the prophets he sent, not guidance through superstitious practices. At Mount Horeb, God commended them for their this wise fear of him and their need of a mediator. We'll look at the ways that Jesus fulfills the requirements to be this prophet in the Scarlet Threads, but it is important to note that it is a prophet, singular, not the subsequent prophets after Moses up to John the Baptist. Moses was considered a prophet. Hosea 12.13 says, The Lord used a prophet to bring Israel up from Egypt. By a prophet, he cared for them. So when Moses dies, the addendum to his death announcement is, Since then, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, 
whom the Lord knew face to face. It also implies that this coming prophet is superior to them because obedience to him is required as if it was God himself speaking to them. So this cannot refer to Muhammad as the Muslims claim since Jesus already fulfilled this prophecy, so why look for another after him? Besides, Muhammad was not an Israelite. However, they get around this by focusing on the phrase in some versions of thy brethren rather than from your fellow Israelites. So they conclude he could come from Ishmael's descendants. So most cults have been started by prophets who claim to have received special revelation. And at every stage where people failed, beginning in the garden, God brought promises that comforted and encouraged his people. The promise of a prophet like Moses was another example. Verses 20 to 22, the test of a true or false prophet. But if many people claimed to be prophets, how could they recognize the true from the false? But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Positively, when God had decreed that wicked King Ahab would die in battle, he sent false prophets to him, whom he believed. However, the prophet Micaiah told him that God had decreed disaster against him. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth-Gilead and going to his death there? The king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. Negatively, after the false prophet Hananiah prophesied that within two years the exiles would return from Babylon, Jeremiah replied, From early times the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Therefore God killed him. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore this is what the Lord says, I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year you are going to die, because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. In the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah the prophet died. And God called out another false prophet. Send this message to all the exiles. This is what the Lord says about Shemaiah, the Nehelamite. Because Shemaiah has prophesied to you, even though I did not send him, and has persuaded you to trust in lies, this is what the Lord says. I will surely punish Shemaiah, the Nehelamite, and his descendants. He will have no one left among this people, nor will he see the good things I will do for my people declares the Lord, because he has preached rebellion against me. 
Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? The Israelites were to provide towns for the Levites to live in and tithes to support them. Those who preach the gospel should be supported by those who benefit from it. Paul makes the case for the, from the example of God's provision for the support of the priests and Levites that ministers of the gospel must be provided for by the offerings of believers. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. In this way, they could devote themselves fully to their work and not be diverted by cares and concerns about providing for themselves and their families. It would also guard against greed if they had enough. When the Israelites tithed, they were giving a tenth to the Lord. God expected this so that it would support the Levites. They gave a tenth of their crops, their earnings, and every tenth animal of herd or flock. In the New Covenant, we are no longer bound by the stipulations of the Mosaic Covenant, but we are called to give. They are never called tithes in the New Testament, but they are called gifts and offerings or collections. Now no amount is specified, as in this chapter, but we are to be generous, not grudging in our giving. Some use 10% as a starting point, however. The New Testament standards are stricter, or some would say higher or loftier. We give generously and sacrificially. We support the poor and ministers. By supporting ministers and missionaries physically, they can devote themselves to spiritual work. What we give reflects our hearts, how we understand the blessing of God on our lives, and our requirement to live as stewards of all he has given us. The priests and Levites were distinguished from the rest of the tribes of Israel and dedicated to God's service. Believers are called out from the world and need to be sanctified to serve God. They were to avoid the occult. To do so was to contact demons. And we are still to avoid the occult for the same reason. They were to be blameless. We are to live lives pleasing to God. Moses prophesied about another prophet whom God would send. So one requirement was that he would be an Israelite raised up among them. Jesus was an Israelite who was born there and grew up there. He was to be like Moses. Jesus was like Moses in many ways, but was superior to him. He, uh, he was like Moses who preached divine revelation, explained the law, and led his people. They were both spared from death as infants, they both renounced earthly power, they had compassion on people, interceded for them, spoke to God face to face, and mediated a covenant. They were to listen to him because he spoke the words God commanded him. Jesus said and did all that was given to him by the Father. Anyone who failed to listen or obey him would be called to account. Jesus said people would be judged on their failure to obey him. When John the Baptist arrived and preached powerfully, many wondered if perhaps he was this prophet. But when they asked him what he had to say about himself, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. He further testified, The one who comes from above is above all, 
The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. So many also recognized he was this prophet, spoken of by Moses. And John tells us that as a result of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, that would have reminded them of Moses and manna. So they were convinced that Jesus was the prophet Moses had told them to expect. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So they wanted him to be their political messiah who would meet their physical needs and deliver them from Roman oppression. But that was not why he came. Jesus called himself a prophet because he prophesied the manner of and details about his death and resurrection, Judas's betrayal, the desertion of him by the disciples, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and the persecution of the early church, all of which came true, making him a true prophet. He also knew things about people, like the Samaritan woman and Nathaniel, causing them and others to declare him a prophet. In the past, God spoke in various ways through prophets, dreams, visions, and events, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Moses taught how to distinguish between true and false prophets. If a prophecy did not come to pass, they could be fairly sure the person was a false prophet. Supernatural power in itself was not enough to validate the message. They were warned to beware of enticements to idolatry, whether through false prophets or close relatives. In order to recognize error, they needed to know the truth. Jesus said his miracles testified to the truth of his words. Jesus warned about false prophets, as did Peter and John. He said the test was if they did the will of his Father, obedience. In the New Testament, there were both true prophets and false prophets. False teachers can deceive in many ways. They are usually from the congregation rather than outsiders. Now that the scripture is closed, there is no further need of prophets, so any teacher is to be judged by scripture. Then the punishment for idolatry and occult practices was the death penalty. In the New Covenant, such punishments are obsolete since we are under grace but false teachers are to be put out of the church. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 19. May God bless the study of his word.